The Incomparable Podcast, number 72, December 2011. I just like to point out that on IMDb, the Doctor Who uh, uh, snippet yeah. says, It's Christmas Eve, 1938, when Madge Arwell comes to the aid of an injured spaceman angel. Yes. Yeah. I, I like that that's actually in the... What she says. She says it. I'm, I like that it's actually in the text. Mm. That's that's cute. It's accurate. Wait, we haven't started yet. Yeah, well, we now we have. You are listening to the Incomparable Podcast, uh, now annual tradition of... Uh, getting together on Christmas night and talking about the Doctor Who Christmas special that we all just watched. I am Jason Snell, and joining me tonight on this special Flash Doctor Who podcast are Dan Morin. Um, hi, Dan. You're far away hi. from home, aren't you? Hi, Jason. And I'm uh, calling in from the Time Vortex. Excellent. You, you sound like it. Uh, also, uh, at home is Scott McNulty. Hi, Scott. Hello. You sound normal because you are at home. I am in a room, in a box, in a forest. Are you a madman in a box? Uh, usually. Okay. Must. <laughs> Glenn Fleischman also is at home. Hi, Glenn. Hi. You know, I just thought we could actually start calling this Blue Boxing Day. Uh, no, I'm we cannot. up now. <laughs> this podcast is over. Before it began, Glenn, Glenn wins. This podcast has a negative running time now. Maniacal. Maniacal laugh. Maniacal laugh. Uh, and Serenity Caldwell. You're not I'm at home. At, well, I'm well, at, home, at home, home. My, my original Real home. Real home, yes. yes. My Los Angeles home with a microphone balanced on two stacks of DVDs and a piece of scotch tape nice You're in stately wayne manor aren't you oh yes alfred will come by later uh and i'm in arizona in my parents um dining room very strange you're at a special time zone i am saying, i'm in i am in mountain time jason Ooh. why are you talking yes. to yourself in your dining room your parents ask yes well they're they, they've gone to bed <laughs> and, I, and I warned them already that i was doing a podcast and when they asked what a podcast was i said it's like radio except nobody listens so <laughs> that explains it. So, so to the the 2011 version, and I I counted this. This is the I believe seventh, believe it or not, seventh Doctor Who Christmas special. It's hard to believe. Really, every year since 2005, you can count them: five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. That's seven Christmas specials. Goodness, yeah, it's pretty crazy. Uh, and this was called the Doctor, the Widow. And the wardrobe, right? Right. Right? Yes? Right. Yeah, title I check. Yes. I concur. By Stephen <laughs> Moffat. Okay, we all agree about the title. That's good. We could, we'll start with some agreement. This is an exciting podcast already. Thank you. Thank you. Thank goodness I'm not editing it. So, <laughs> so, um, so I'm interested. This is, you know, this is our, our freeform, fast, unedited podcast. I'm interested in hearing what, what everybody thought. Who would like to take a first crack? It's Christmassy. <laughs> it, it was it Christmassy, was Christmassy, but in a different way, I think, sure. than last year's yeah. Christmassy. It, it was it small wasn't form a, Christmas. Exactly, the, the world was the, not in danger. For once, well, it was. It was at the beginning, but he blew up the ship in the prequel. Yeah, <laughs> the yeah. Prequel. yeah the first minute, the world was in danger. It was like the Russell that, T. Just, Davis. I just love. I love the opening. It was people of Earth prepare to kaboom, kaboom, <laughs> kaboom. It was. It was a lovely little bit. Instead of, you know, it was practically yeah. the whole the Christmas Day invasion. It was practically that entire episode done as people of Earth boom. 
It was like the Vogon constructor fleet game, but <laughs> the doctor was there to save us. Well, did you was a there was a uh, there was a prequel online. There was yes, yes, a minute and a half thing mm-hmm. where it explains somewhat more that he's on a ship and holding down a button. Yes. Oh, I saw that. Yes. Oh yes. yeah, I saw that. Too. Now I have to let go of this button. That will be bad for me. But <laughs> although the and he, and voice talking, message he records, yeah, Amy, right. But he's which, calling which Amy, time? but but Amy thinks he's dead anyway. So. When no, I, she knows because uh, uh, yes, River told he, us or so. He, he thinks she knows that yeah. she thinks Except he does He dead. says she's, he's calling the TARDIS. Remember? Uh, yeah, the, like first of all, I don't know my coordinates. Second, okay, used to be. Let's not argue about the silly prequel that's on the internet. <laughs> let's let's. Well, I think on. it speaks to. I think it speaks to the end of, in the in the entire arc that we get from the that's Doctor right. at the this episode, and the fact that it is a continuation of the season that we just watched. Yes, I suppose. And that once you get the doctors alone. I suppose it is. And I, I actually thought when they didn't put Amy and Rory in the opening titles, I thought, oh, wow, they're just not going to be in it and they're not going to deal with it. And at the very end, I thought, oh, they are. Oh. They got me. I was, I was like, we're going we're gonna to see Karen Gillan here, aren't we? And we did, which was nice. And, and, and their door, Yay. not to jump to the end, but their, yeah. their door is painted a lovely shade of blue. They're delightful. That's their entire house. That's true. That's what we find out. Doctor Who is, say, a, is a real boy. I found I found this whole episode surprisingly moving. It was, uh, let, uh, you know, I'm sure we'll talk about plot, but I think it was it was a little thin in number of departments, and there were things that I'm like, they cut the explanation for this because it makes no sense, and it is clear there was to be an explanation or a repercussion or or something, and they're like, okay, bye, we got to get the episode on the air. But well, who, um, no, I, or I or who cares, tears, right? I, yeah, I was in tears a number of times, and then there's some terrific. Lines. I just, you know, the bit. So uh, I don't know. Should we do the plot synopses before we? Uh, are we assuming everyone's seen this before well, we? Well, uh, I, I, yes. If you haven't seen it, you shouldn't listen to this episode. That's right. Spoiler alert. Well, I'll tell you my. I'm gonna. I'll jump ahead to my favorite scene then, since we're no, no. Let's with let's, let's let's right. do the quick recap, which is the, the plot here is that the Doctor saves the Earth and then uh, crashes to Earth and is saved more or less by this woman, and um, she never sees his face because he's put the spacesuit on backward. And uh, she put, gets him into a police box or, or a few until they find the right one. And um, and he basically says, if you need me, just make a wish and I will come, which is very fairy tale. But I thought that kind of charming. And then uh, her husband uh, her husband is shown to be over the English Channel and his plane's going down and she gets a telegram saying he's died. And uh, she and the kids go off to this mansion for Christmas and – the doctor and they make a wish and the doctor is there and he's the caretaker and he gives them a gift that they open too early, which is a portal to this other planet that where these tree people live. And there's an adventure there with the tree people who my son were convinced were bad. Uh, and I know for a fact that no televised entertainment will ever portray trees as being anything but good in the end. So there was a little <laughs> less drama there for me, but um, it was really sweet to see. He's like, Oh, the tree people, they're bad. Oh, and uh, you know, and then in the end, uh, let's see, some soldiers from Halo appear and, <laughs> and with a giant robot and they threaten the the mom. And uh, it turns out that the whole thing is that the tree people. Except she does a better job of threatening them. Yes, it turns out. And, uh, and the tree people who are, who are from a planet from an old Doctor Who episode, the Caves of Androzani, which is kind of funny, um, the, 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 those people are going to drop acid rain on all the trees and kill them and the trees need to escape and the doctor and and uh, the kids and the mom help them escape through the time vortex and the you know and uh, they find the the 
the husband in the time vortex because she's homing in on him and everybody lives happily ever after because it's the Christmas episode. And that's pretty much it. Very straightforward. So there, nobody there you dies. Go. Everybody nobody dies. Everybody lives. Nobody dies today. You know, Sometimes. So people on Twitter are always like, "Oh, I'm disappointed by this," and it happens every year. And 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 I'll say it <laughs> is again. That, I is think that how they sound? I, that is exactly how they sound because they're they're murderers of joy. <laughs> um, I, I'll say this last year, and I'll say it again. I'm not quite sure what they're looking for from the Christmas episode of Doctor yeah, Who. I mean, everyone Christmas, is gathered around their television have. sets. It's going to be big exactly. and fun. They're going to exactly. cut out all the pseudoscientific explanations for what's happening. It's going to be more like a fairy tale or or, a, or in the case of Russell Davis, like an action movie. But what it's not going to be is some kind of dark psychodrama, right? It's going to be for people <laughs> who've got turkey in their stomachs and they're settled down with their family and they want to see a big kind of emotional, happy, nice kind of story. And I feel like Stephen Moffat in two consecutive years has given us different kinds of stories, but they both are very Christmassy, very much about family, and and they fit um, what you want for something like an episode like this because it's not going to be a big season finale or something. It's a Christmas episode. Yeah, and I think what's Good interesting summary. is uh, that I noted I was watching uh, BBC America was doing a marathon today of all the, the like the preceding season of Doctor Who. And I was watching the episode Night Terrors, which I, I know that many of you disliked. Yes. And uh, both of my cousins were saying, oh, yeah, I really like this one. And oh. one of them pointed out something I thought well, so I enjoyed it. Well. I, was the lone, I was the lone defender. <laughs> um, but I think they pointed out something really interesting about it, which is that, you know, that the family aspect is something and parenting is something that this season and most of Moffat's tenure has returned to a lot. Yes. And this is a great that the Christmas episode is a great example of you know how how important family is and especially how important it is to the doctor who is essentially alone so i think picking up on the threads of you know what russell t davies did in the first few seasons establishing the doctor as this last remaining member of society and now you know to sort of reinforce the idea that he sort of craves a family or some sort of emotional connection even if he tries to rise above it um you know i think that both the previous christmas this and the previous stephen moffat christmas episode it really spoke to that I agree. I think it's uh, there's a very strong. Uh, I mean, that's the. I'll tell you now. I'll tell my favorite scene because it ties directly in with that, which is when the uh, the soldiers. Well, they're not soldiers, are they? I mean, that's the thing. Like they policemen who are melting trees for fuel. It's a little confused. They're Blackwater. contractors. Going. They're contractors. Yeah. yeah, they're right. There's Blackwater. They're it's like Blackwater. security. Yeah, exactly. Blackwater fit five thousand. The, it's their a, job to make sure that great. there's no nobody other than no sentient beings other than the trees on that oh. planet when they kill all the trees. That's because <laughs> exactly. there'll be lawsuits. Well, it's it's a there it's a great little bumbling weird I, I mean it's really funny it's good comic relief the three uh contractors and just the bit where they're scanning her it's like no she's unarmed no it's she's armed no it's the wool the wool is interfering with the scanner please tell me that we can tell the difference between wool and weapons oh yeah can, can. Well, can we not all the time really. no i mean that was not a great piece especially bill ba- bill bailey who played that the uh, bearded guy in the, oh, in the center there who's a veteran of spaced and black books and a bunch of other great uh british comedy is was awesome. I, every time he showed up, I'd be like, "It's Bill Bailey," and all and, the previews and everything. And, so I was glad and, to know, see him in there. The best thing about that scene is that she actually does have a gun. Well, that's <laughs> hey, wait, that's, that's my favorite scene. Is is that after all that and, it's, and the whole and she's crying, she starts bursts into tears. We already know this woman's marvelous, so she bursts into tears, and then they all put their weapons down. Can we interrogate you now? And then she pulls out the gun and says. It's we're in a war. Of course, she's got a gun. You slept with a gun under your pillow, and she takes them hostage. I'm like, you know, I thought that was just a. It was a beautiful and 
I was not quite expecting that moment. It was just great. Well, clearly the one of the themes in this in this episode is is I think he says Mother Christmas at the end, right? It's about mm-hmm. it's yeah. about motherhood and and there are the scenes where it turns out the trees want uh, a, a woman. They don't want males. They want they want a woman. The daughter isn't isn't old enough. And uh, you know this this um, you know you empowerment of mom is like the message of this episode. The theme of this. Well, episode. and and you missed the topper on that scene, Glenn, which was the topper on that on that scene, which is oh, I I don't believe you'll you can't say anything that makes me think that you'll oh, use yes. that. And then she goes, I'm looking for my children. And like, you see the, like their faces and their eyes all go wide. <laughs> done and done. You know, it's such a nice uh, topper for all of the ladies who probably spent hours toiling away in the kitchen today. They're like, "Yep, I'm gonna sit. Exactly. I'm gonna sit back. I'm gonna watch Doctor Who." Oh yeah, they're they're basically complimenting me for all of my hard work at being a mother because I'm badass. Yeah. Yep. 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 It's and just take on a few, you know, a few hundred million tree souls as a foster mother temporarily, and not a big deal if you're already a mom. So I exactly. love that that line where she's like. Well, I never thought what it would be like to be a tree, and and now one does. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it's you know, Glenn, you said something about the plot being thin, and I, I thought you know, I does, I, I thought it was kind of refreshing that this wasn't you know the universe is in jeopardy and we got to ratchet everything up, and it was oh. like you know, really, this is about a family and about um about them saving some trees in a forest and no the story really, was you know, beautiful but the plot was thin because you know there's never been a doctor who in which a bunch of rapacious space people humans for the future are like going to destroy some kind of resource and he goes well that's fine then let the acid rain fall <laughs> what we're really concerned about well, here it, it is doctor you know, who yeah, it is. But I mean, really, because he, he always, you know, he'd be out there in the acid with some kind of, you know, thing that deflected the acid or blew up the satellites that were just triggering the thing. Although so he, that was. He doesn't do that, like though, that. right? He doesn't. That's Trees die. Right. I mean, he yeah. helps them pass on to wherever in space right. they're going yeah, to live. They basically die, and, and that's. The forest is destroyed. I guess he supports. Yeah, but, but Merry Christmas. Christmas. <laughs> British Petroleum well, in the we, 55th century. We all kill trees at Christmas time, Scott. Yes, it's true. Precious fuel. Well, the Maybe trees are being killed. But the, That's because the uh, Christmas is powered by the screams of trees. The, the Christmas trees are the greatest source of power in the in the universe, even beyond apparently you know black holes and quasars and things. That's right. It's just awesome trees. Yeah. Don't underestimate the trees, Glenn. And it makes perfect sense that the Christmas the trees would build a system in which a little boy would have to touch one and an egg would form and then it would fall on the ground and he'd open it and it'd crack open and that would start off a chain of events that would lead to the saving. Well, the no, forest. no, I will buy that because they're waiting no, for, for a don't trigger. Don't you understand what it's like host. to be a tree, Scott. <laughs> oh, they're I waiting understand. for a trigger for a host, though. You have to accept. Yeah, I mean, that trap. is okay. It's a human trap, right? It's and they knew mm-hmm. he was coming. No, wait, no, Scott. They knew he was coming. That's the plot. They foresaw it. It was him because what I thought was interesting about this was, you know, with the whole point right of the end of the last season was that the doctor is like sort of removing himself from the galactic stage. And I wondered if that was specifically we foresaw you because there have been so many plots where we're like, ah, we knew the doctor would come. Whereas this was just like someone we knew someone would come like the, a human he, the the, person. Yeah, but the doctor couldn't. The doctor was not who they wanted. They were like, You're not strong enough. He's right. like, oh, trust me. So I can do this. Him. They were waiting for I like, her. I like that he's all. I like that he was all cocky about it, you know. Because you're like, like well, he's plenty strong. strong. Yeah, but then he's like, you know, cringing in pain, and she's like, oh, it, it kind of tingles, doesn't it? <laughs> well, you know, if you've been through childbirth, I guess you know. 
Yeah. That's really mm-hmm. the message there. That's that's true. It's all a celebration. I should know. Yes, exactly right, Scott. <laughs> From a previous life. So that's right. what did what did you all think of the um there there's before the the main plot kicks in, there's an amusing interlude where the doctor who is referred to as the caretaker by the family throughout, which goes with the theme of him kind of laying low. They call him the caretaker. Um, right. He shows them around the mansion, which is like wacky mansion designed by the doctor. I kind of I thought I, that was awesome. Yeah. It was hilarious. I, like I almost got the feeling that he was basically using the same kind of tools that he uses to design the rooms and the TARDIS to design the house. And for a, for a little while there, I'm like, is the house just – like did he did he just line the TARDIS up with the front door and did they actually go through rooms of the TARDIS and is that why everything's all crazy? But no, no, the doctor just really, really likes interior decorating, I guess. But it was awesome. Like, it's kinda of like Will Ferrell and Elf is my take on that. <laughs> I just like the, the constant I know, you know, the and the I love their the, eyes widening. Don't go in that room. Panthers in that room, very dangerous. I don't I think you were lying about the Panthers. Famous last words. Huh. Disused the disused lavatory with the beware of the beware, tiger sign. Beware of the leopard. Yeah, it, it's beware it's, the leopard. Sorry, it's very clear that um, Stephen Moffat is very focused on the child audience for Doctor Who, which is great. And and this is like the perfect. I mean, my, I watched my son and daughter watching it, and I thought this is written for them. I'm, my son is watching that boy and is is very scared when that boy is put in jeopardy. And I keep saying to him. It's going to be okay, you know. It's the Doctor Who Christmas special. Well, it's, how bad could it be? But he's still like he's very those tree and people. A, and, oh. a, and a salient Ooh. detail pointed out by one of my cousins again was that the you know the Matt Smith compared to David Tennant and Christopher Eccleston, Matt Smith is a much more childlike in, yes. in like his manic glee is much more childlike and he's much more you know naive in some ways, not exactly naive, but like you know. Much more it's innocent, a, trusting. Well, it's Willy Wonka-like almost. Yeah. Just, well, he yeah, can get exactly. back down to that level. When he, I mean, when he regenerated, his first interaction was with a small child, and I feel like he couldn't help but pattern some of that off of off of young Amy Pond, and that's where we get a lot of his manicness. Well, and if we believe the arc, you know, there's that whole thing with uh, you know Christopher Eccleston's doctor was born out of war, and he met Rose, and it sort of calmed him down. He was regenerated into David Tennant, who was sort of calmer, but still a war doctor, was still always, the universe is always at risk, always a threat. Everything was always bigger than himself, and uh, and then, you know, this doctor, sort of everything was resolved. He solved everything. Everything was good. He got to have his reward, and then he's regenerated to this person who gets to be the playful doctor. He gets to be much more like a Tom Bakery one or even a Patrick Naughton or a Troughton one where he's just sort of almost silly. You can't take him as seriously as, as Pertwee or something. Well, he can be, he can do that. I mean, this is what famously what Stephen Moffat says about him, but he can do the childlike and he can also do the um, wise old man thing. And he, and Matt Smith can really do those things almost simultaneously. He which can turn on a dime. It's amazing. And this, in this episode, he is, he is the uh, childlike doctor for the whole. It's actually kind of nice to not have a, an overarching plot and not have a companion in the TARDIS at the beginning at all, and to just say we're going to tell a story. And the doctor is involved, although he doesn't really need to be at, at, at most of it. He kind of is more of an enabler. He, he sets the ball rolling, and you know, gets everybody into trouble. He plants the present to another planet, right. so he gets everybody into trouble. If he had not been there, everything would have been fine, except the dad. It would have still been dead. But other than that, everything would have been fine. It's a fairly irresponsible present, I think. <laughs> it's great, though. I like this is the safest world in the universe, except for this one period in time, which I should have known about. 
But even if it's a really safe world, would you want your child just wandering around a strange world? Just don't. Well, in it- theory, if you're talking about it being open on Christmas Day, it would be all four of them. Four of them, yes. All four of them walking into the new world, and the doctor being like, "Look at this! There are trees. They're special." Oh, look, it's raining! No, it would have been hundred of years later like, because time moves differently. Yeah, more like so, this planet is pretty empty. I thought there were trees here. Instead, it's just a thin layer of acid everywhere. No, the trees would have regrown by then, uh, and but. Uh, but, you know, again, the, what they're trying to do is say kids can't resist peeking at presents early, right? Well, I mean, we also have – I mean, none of – obviously, the the blatant homage to C.S. Lewis, which I don't think we've mentioned at all either. Oh, yeah. Well, there's oh, yeah. the Uncle Digby and oh. the character Diggory is the nephew from uh, The Magician's Nephew. The Magician's Nephew, In the right. Narnia series. But so it was Dig- – they said well, Digby. It's, say my, Digby. it's my wardrobe. Yeah, well, it's the line, the witch in the yeah. wardrobe, and it's right from the title, and you go through a portal into a snowy world, and that is the well, World War II. Yeah. World War II, they go off the street lamp. Street lamp and a, and, a, and a fawn. I was very disappointed in the lack of street lamp. Although there, they, there's just like a tiny homage, isn't there? Like he a walked street? into a street lamp. Yeah. Oh, yes. In his spacesuit. Good point. Mm-hmm. I have to say, we should talk about, I think, the character of Madge Arwell, who is one of those extraordinary characters you only almost find in Doctor Who and not in other fiction, because she's she's competent, open-minded, slightly wacky, and indomitable, and usually that's the dotty person in another show who can't get anything done, and Doctor Who is full of characters who are somewhat peculiar, possibly because you know it's, they have a, uh, you know some psychic power or whatever. I just love the fact she's like... She, there's a here's a loud sound. She go explosion. She goes over. She's a guy, you know, space suit in the ditch. No one's seen a space suit of that course, you know, except in science fiction. She goes down in there and so forth. Oh, I should point out, Mike Godwin of Godwin's Law has been complaining on Twitter that people are going around willy nilly in 1941, stating they knew what uh, that knew what radar was. Radar was secret in World War II. No one would have known it. Well, was. So also, there's, there's a 1963 call box in the middle. Yeah. Exactly. Of the town. Yeah. And if that's his biggest problem little... with Doctor Who, is that people in 1943 did not know about radar. Well, I called the... him a Nazi because I thought that was appropriate. Uh, <laughs> I don't. I don't get it. No, the uh, the the Look didn't up. they Excuse have me. didn't they have call boxes of that style during World War II as well? I don't know. They've always that made a point of the style. of the TARDIS being specifically a 1963 call box, but then again, that could just be because that's when Doctor Who started. Yes, in 1941, yeah. they used Gil Sands. They later changed it. No, <laughs> I don't know that. I don't know that. Yellow. Yes. I don't know. Time and space, I, talking trees with exactly uh, humany, humany. <laughs> that's all fine. That's right. But the no, uh, I like yeah. like point as about you know I think there's a certain you know there's an argument that these slightly wacky characters attract the doctor and vice versa oh, yeah. and right. like they're somehow they also they're more willing to permeate that layer between reality and the fantastic right like she's perfectly willing to accept oh you'll tell your dad I've gone to help a spaceman slash angel uh, find a police call box she's well, out. Also, yes you, you but the kid like, also knows well enough to say where's your mom. Out. <laughs> There's that notion too that the doctor. I mean, if we get into the canon issues, is that the doctor, uh, you know, like the Donna Doctor stuff. Is that is that you could argue that Marge, uh, Marge, Madge Arwell had to get to that planet at that time in order to save all these tree souls and help transubstantiate them. So the doctor was the means for her. He wasn't the direct driving force here. Actually, hey, are, are she the was trees sort of driving. Jesus. Person. Jesus. The trees are Jesus. Jesus. 
It's a, uh, it's just Jesus. a Christmas miracle. The trees, you got to save the trees. Although, again, the trees all die. It's just that their souls are <laughs> right. put out into the void, which they to me, yeah, they're transformed Aerial into a, a wave of some kind. Space trees. Like, hey, they saved, hey, they saved one human life in exchange. Well, three, I guess, but um, so it's fair trade, right? Thousands yeah. of trees or three humans. Trees are really stupid, so yeah, exactly. Who cares? Not the space trees. What's so great about trees anyway? Yeah, <laughs> don't say it too loud. They're the greatest thing they did is pretend to be a building. <laughs> is that is that from yeah, the Usual Suspects? That was kind of weird. That was kind of weird. The uh, the uh, tower that's just made out of trees. It's fake yeah, wood. I think that was just an excuse including glass. Uh, yeah, like and then it, it turns into a rocket yes. ship. So the glass. side. Yeah. The side uh, part about the doctor finally yelling at his sonic screwdriver about not being compatible with wood. You knew this was going to happen one day. <laughs> it's, it's wood. It, yeah. Get over it. Well, aren't the, aren't the oh. sonic screwdrivers something like fruit of the TARDIS? I mean, didn't we have an earlier episode where it's like it just kind of produces them and has a psychic yeah, interface? In the, in the 11th hour after he blows yeah. out yeah. David Tennant's, he gets the so, – he goes so, ding and cooks up a new one. Yeah, so it's a little bit of like that, like his running argument with the, uh, I just like that. It's like you're yelling at your sonic screwdriver. Okay, that actually makes a strange amount of sense. Well, it doesn't work on wood, and, you know, how can you not make that joke, right? It's true. Yeah. I, what, did I, what, what did I write down here? Um, uh, do what I do. Hang on and pretend there's a plan. That is the best uh, line in the episode, if good. only because it sums up the Doctor perfectly. We were watching yep. with a, one of my cousins who has never seen a Doctor Who episode, and we're really? trying to explain to him what you know. And he's like, he's you know, he's he's a nerd, and he's kind of familiar with tropes and whatever. But I was explaining to him the plot, whatever. That line came up, and I was like, that is the best summation of Doctor Who. Period. <laughs> Try to hold on to something and look like there's a plan. I watched this tonight with my brother and mother, who are not nerds and who have never seen Doctor Who, uh, and they were unimpressed, I must admit. Huh. But what they can you do? No, their souls have been removed to the time vortex. What were they What were they expecting? Nothing? They just expected well, you my, to disappoint them with your silly sci-fi? They thought, he was, showing them, they thought he was showing them a Yule log, and he showed them they, uh Well, my family always expects me to disappoint them, so <laughs> that's uh, par for the course. Merry Christmas! Uh, but uh, <laughs> Time for an intervention. Exactly. But uh, no, I don't know. My mother was vaguely aware of what Doctor Who was when she was asleep half the time, so she does not count. Uh, but my brother, at the end of it, he turned to me and he said, so you watch this show all the time? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, well, it's good. I don't know. Whereas, I thought whereas my cousin was like, wait, so that girl at the end, he's got like a baby with her. And they were like, <laughs> no, technically that's his mother-in-law. <laughs> It's I did like that. Amy's line. Amy's line, the she's a good girl about River. And I was like, yeah, that well, me, well, yeah, right. Took me a second. Yeah, that took me a second, but it made me laugh after she's that. A good girl. I think that's one of the nice things that they did is that they actually managed to last season and with that one line, just, you know, cultivate that mother daughter relationship and make it seem strangely plausible. Yeah, the, they're, the, they're looking very familiar there at the end, too, with Rory with his little yeah, cart in. Yeah, Come so. on in. Yeah, it makes you wonder um, what you know exactly how exactly they're going to uh, approach next season. Well, that, but we've got time, line, right? With Amy the, and Rory are back, right? Don't we know they're back for the part of the season yes. that's already been reviewed? Yeah, but I mean, what a great line at the mm-hmm. end, there, right? With the "Well, we set a place for you every year." Oh, I mean, I don't know. That's, that's, that's life. Of the doctor, I mean, right? Christmas. 
It's Christmas. God bless us, everyone. Uh, Christmas, you moron. The doctor is why the Passover tradition of leaving the you know door open for Elijah. <laughs> yeah, true. He's Elijah. All the magicians are him. He's Elijah. You know, he gets around. Yeah, round, round. So, um, general general <laughs> thoughts. Let me go around and just get your general thoughts about uh, about whether you how, how you feel about this episode as a whole. And 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 uh, I mean, I think we've got a good sense, but I want to just go around and get everybody to. Chime in a little bit, Dan. Yeah, I mean, positive. I, I think, yeah, no, generally positive. I didn't feel necessarily as emotionally wrapped up as I thought. It I felt like I was watching a little bit detached and really appreciating it and enjoying it, but, but not necessarily, you know, caught up in the emotion of it at all. But I felt at the same time, like if I watch it again, I might, I might find myself a little more immersed. Um, but I thought overall, I really enjoyed it. The writing was good, as we expect from Stephen Moffat. It is a nice bookend to the last season. And still puts us in a great position for launching off in next year at some point. And I can't believe it's got to be next like fall. another nine nine months yeah. until we can see more Doctor mm. Who. But Sherlock is coming back January first, so it's Whatever. not all bad. That's that's another <laughs> yeah. podcast. It's not the same. Uh, Scott, what about you? Uh, well, I, I I enjoyed it. It's a you know a good rollicking adventure as always. Uh, Watch this show. <laughs> I do. Wow, <laughs> so cold. Oh, I gotta go. Um, but uh, no, I liked it. I, the, the only thing I, that bothered me was the um, the whole you know, oh, humans are the only people who cry when they're happy, and then the doctor cries at the end, and he's like, oh, I'm more human. Like, uh, but <laughs> I know now why you cry. Thanks, exactly. thanks, Johnson. He's a I, I, humany, humany, woomany. By the way, I'm I, I'm I'm over the timey wimey thing. I think uh, it's like uh, enough. With that, yeah, I don't know, and I don't so, understand why the doctor wants to be human. He he doesn't. He shouldn't be. He he is. He is. He's better than us. Damn it! Stop. <laughs> yes. Stop trying to be thanks, human. Thanks. Yeah, very very Nietzsche of you. Yes, there you go. But overall, that that's tiny little uh, niggle. Uh, but tiny, uh, tiny whiny little niggle. Exactly. But other than that, I thought it was a lot of fun. All right, Glenn. I laughed. I cried. I uh, no. I had. A, I thought it was fun. It was one of those sort of rollicking ones where you knew it was all going to turn out right, and you were like, "I can't entirely see what's coming down the pike." I could see a fair amount of it, but it was sweet and it was beautifully shot. And I loved the actress playing Madge. She made the episode. The kids were good, and I just thought she was just fabulous. And I wanted to watch. I wanted to spin off with her doing something interesting in 1940. One, um, the the thing that in, in my household, of course, my children are, are too young and anxious to watch anything resembling Doctor Who. We got them through the Muppets movie, which was good, but Doctor Who would scar them for life. So I was actually watching on my laptop while they were watching Shaun the Sheep. So it was slightly surreal. Every time I was wearing closed air headphones, so like they couldn't hear me, but I got some Shaun the Sheep bleeding through. So every time I looked up, there'd be some sheep flying through the air, and then I'd look back to, you know, children running off in the away from their mother and so forth. So I think, it was, uh, I think the doctor benefits from a companion or co-star who is um, an adult, you know, older adult, uh, uh, generally adult woman. I think we've seen that. I think we saw that with Donna. Um, I, I think we've seen that in the, in the waters of Mars, I think is this, the same sort of thing. I think it's a nice dynamic that, um, you know, because so many of his companions have been young women to see somebody who can really hold their own, 
um, against him is always a pleasure. You know, women who aren't secure of their abilities, and he lets them show that they're, that they're actually – he's um, a self-actualizer, an outside self-actualizer. And with her, Madge didn't necessarily believe, but she certainly she's like, oh, I just took in all these tree souls. Isn't that lovely? Like, oh, yes, I will guide us through the time vortex. What an interesting place. Well, the doctor's shtick is, you know, I, you could be so much more. I'll show you that you have such great potential and you can make much more of your life than you might have thought. And he does that again and again and again, and it's refreshing when um, the person – that he's with is like, yeah, self-assured and like, yeah, I know uh, you, you're not so great. <laughs> I, that, that was the great thing about the Donna relationship. And I, I felt that uh, some of that in this too. And I, I think that works well with Dr. Who. Uh, Ren, what about you? I quite liked it. Uh, it was just delightful all around. They got good actors. They got a great actress to play match. The kids were cute. Um, the, the little kid with the, the ginger with the glasses, he reminds me very much of, um, uh, the kid from wrinkle in time. And I don't know why I have that image in my head, but it was like a weird mashup the entire episode where I was just, I know this is supposed to be wigging off of, you know, C.S. Lewis, but I can't help but think of wrinkle in time. I kept thinking he was like young Harry Potter or mixed Mm. with Peter Billingsley from a Christmas story. (laughs) 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 That's probably why he shot his eye out. Well, I like his perfectly round yeah. glasses. That is true. Yeah, if they had made the – you could put an eye out with that thing joke about the sonic screwdriver, we really would have had something. Would have been a trifecta, yeah. Sadly. That's Sadly. okay. That's very – But even, even without that, yeah, even without that, it was a delightful episode. I was very happy by it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I Well, I agree. I, I, I Like I said at the beginning, uh, I you know, I, you, people love to complain and I, I feel like – these Christmas episodes, and as Americans, it's hard to see because there's this grand tradition of it in the UK and not in the US where the networks generally just punt on Christmas or, or literally punt and put on a football game. But that's about it. And uh, But it does – it delivers what, it, what you want it to do, which is family entertainment and a big story and it makes you feel happy and it's Christmas night and you know it's a capper to that you know, th- this special day. And, and uh, I felt like Stephen Moffat, I think – Maybe has a better handle on that. I think that Russell Davis felt like what he needed to do was um, keep cranking up the spectacle. And with the exception of um, The Next Doctor, which I think actually did work pretty well mm-hmm. in the Christmassy kind of vein, um, I think Stephen Moffat uh, has outpaced Russell Davis with really trying to get to the root of what you want to do uh, what you and what kind of themes you want to talk about and what kind of uh, visuals you want with snow and – and uh, and uh, the the trees the the with the uh, with the pine you know pine needles well trees alien trees but they look like Christmas trees and it, all of that just felt like he, they they nailed the they nailed the feeling that you want to get out of a Christmas episode and well, and so I, I I liked it too. It's also possible that Stephen Moffat doesn't write everything at two a.m. the night before it has to be shot. I while think, yes, I think we've established 4, that. Yeah, so yeah. there is a little bit more care that's taken. Some of the things that didn't make sense, especially in some Christmas specials, really had to do with with Russell Davies' schedule more than perhaps his intent. I don't know, and and Moffat's making a little more intent. I think you get the good and the bad with Russell Davis. That that's sort <laughs> of you get you get it that way. But Stephen Moffat definitely seems to be much more. 
much more calculated and you know and also I think he's inspired by his kids which somebody said earlier that you know parent parenting and uh, and you know being a parent was definitely a theme of the last season of Doctor Who and family keeps coming up and he talks about how his kids he runs ideas by his kids or gets ideas from them and uh, you can you can tell that and and I think that when you see an episode like this with the, with the kids um, going on this adventure and the and the mother chasing after them that you know definitely he's coming from a perspective as a father trying to write a show for kids and so his two audiences really I think that he's shooting for are the kids who are watching it and their parents who are watching it with them and you can feel it in the stuff that he writes and not just the Christmas specials I think but everything he does for Doctor Who. There's that heartbreaking moment too. The thing that really maybe bursts into tears is when the father is in the plane and when he realizes he's going to die, they're going down in the channel, that he looks at the picture of his wife pasted in there and says, I'm sorry. You know, that's, you know what that's like when you're in that kind of – about the children, about everything. He's sorry. He's not going to be there. He's sorry. He won't be there for her. <clears throat> and that is that kind of true moment. You can't fake that line or that moment and it's so good they repeat it in the cycle back later because – he knows how good that moment is. So for everybody who had that scene in there, what will make Glenn cry this time? <laughs> <laughs> who won the poll? Oh, no. We all picked that scene. You win. <laughs> Every time Glenn cries, an angel gets his wings. That's why I cry so much. Please oh. don't do your Jimmy Stewart impression again. <laughs> Every time Glenn does oh, his Jimmy Get him, get him medical attention. Okay. Okay. One, la- one last question before we go, which is uh, more generally about these Christmas specials. Um, you know, obviously, they keep doing them, and they're going to keep doing them <laughs> until forever. I think, I think even if they stop doing Doctor Who seasons, they'll probably still do the Christmas specials at this point. Is it, is it good to do them a- after doing so many of them now every year since 2005? Uh, are, they, you know, are they running out of steam? Is this – I'm just – I, I thought I would ask: Is it is it a is a good idea, or or do you feel like it's getting I, a little long in the tooth? I think to break up the fact that we're waiting nine months for a new episode, Easter special next year, it's all going to be about <laughs> the Doctor rediscovering the meaning of Easter, which is about bunnies and chocolate. And I don't know where Jesus works into that equation. Well, the Doctor is Jesus, so there, oh, you, there go. you go. There, there you go. go. Look, He's last the reason for the season. Here's all I can say is last year's episode gave us this year's hot gift, the four-foot-long helium inflatable navigable shark, which I'm sure you all know about. Those who are parents know about it. That's those true. who are not, yes. may not. I wish you my aware. house was bigger. <clears throat> yeah, that's my question was like – my thing was I saw this. I was like, I don't think there's room in our house no. to have a four-foot inflatable navigable remote-controlled shark. But if you just want a cardboard box, they are But I believe – yes. But I believe that was inspired – I'm lying – by last year's episode. So there is a purpose for it. <laughs> what? I, I like the Christmas specials. I think they're. I, I, I agree with Dan. They break it's up a, the time, but they're fun. It's like they get a chance to do yeah, something yeah. they don't do the rest of the season. And right. they're fun, fun and goofy, and where they exactly. can be. From a family perspective, I love. You know, I come and stay with my cousins at Christmas, and I love. Like, it's a tradition in this household. We made a. To, this year, we made a Tardis gingerbread house, and we sat down oh. and watched the Doctor, Doctor Who Christmas special after Christmas dinner. And it's just the you know we're explaining to our cousin who has never been here before. This is kind of a tradition. And then we accidentally turned on halfway through because we had DVR'd it, and we all screamed, "No, no, turn it off, rewind, rewind!" <laughs> Which is also a tradition, strangely. Which is also a tradition. He looked confused. Poor use of the DVR. Oh no, not again! Technology vexes. All right. Well, I think we've uh, said enough. 
And I think right. you all should get back to your lives or go to sleep and 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 uh, and. <laughs> well, the put, real question is: Should we continue doing these flash podcasts uh, about the Christmas specials? Do you want your Christmas night back? Is that it, Scott? Uh, Not really. I, I think we should do a meta podcast about whether we should be doing podcasts. That would be the another time, perhaps. <laughs> in our in our own that's minds. A st- that's a story for another. Glenn, Glenn will just clip a microphone to his lapel and wander around his house, musing to himself, and that'll be the the next right. Glenn the Glenn podcast. Who says I don't do that now? Heavy breathing, the Glenn Fleischman <laughs> podcast. That's uh, the, uh, the Glenn Fleischman story. That's yes, memoir. <laughs> All right. Well, um, I, then I think I'm going to close the book on this Flash podcast and on our Christmas discussion of Doctor Who. And I want to thank everybody. Merry Christmas, everybody. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Uh, Merry, Merry Christmas. Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. That's right. Yes. Yo, blue box and time <laughs> oh vortex. That's right. Who, you, who, who put that wreath in the time vortex? We don't know where it'll end up now. Oh yeah, and for our uh, and for our listeners out there in podcast land, thank you very much for listening to our to our podcast this year. Um, this this concludes our broadcast year. <laughs> um, we goodbye. You'll never hear from us again. Or wait, right. until 2012 when we no. will return with more nonsense. That's right. The final year in the future. The incomparable returns in. I don't know what the title of our next episode is, but that. The future is tomorrow. 